A reading from the book of Exodus. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, this month shall mark for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell the whole congregation of Israel that on the 10th of this month, they are to take a lamb for each family, a lamb for each household. If a household is too small for a whole lamb, it shall join its closest neighbor in obtaining one. The lamb shall be divided in proportion to the number of people who eat of it. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a year old male. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. You shall keep it until the 14th day of this month. Then the whole assembled congregation of Israel shall slaughter it at twilight. They shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the lamb that same night. They shall eat it roasted over the fire with unleavened bread, bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted over the fire with its head, legs, and inner organs. You shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. This is how you shall eat it. Your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it hurriedly. This is the Passover of the Lord. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike down every firstborn in the land of Egypt, both human beings and animals. On all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live, when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague shall destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. A second reading today from John 13. Before the festival of Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The devil had already put into the heart of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray him. And during supper, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into, into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, got up from the table took off his outer robe, and tied a towel around himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered, you do not, now, you do not know now what I am doing, but you will later understand. Peter said to him, you will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for the feet, but is entirely clean. And you are clean, though not all of you, for he knew who was about to betray him. For this reason he said, not all of you are clean. After he had washed their feet, 
had put his robe on and returned to the table, he said to them, Do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right. That is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash the feet of one another's feet. For I have set for you an example that you should also do as I have done to you. Very truly I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are the messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Jesus said, Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glor glorify himself and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you should also love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Here ends the reading. Our third reading from Psalm 116. I love the Lord because he has heard the voice of my supplication, because he has inclined his ear to me whenever I called upon him. How shall I repay the Lord for all the good things he has done for me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his servants. O Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant and the child of your handmaid. You have freed me from my bonds. I will offer you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people in the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of you, O Jerusalem. Here ends our reading. Grace and peace from God our Creator and our Savior Jesus Christ. There are very few parts of the church year in which we think harder about the gospel stories than we do in Holy Week. The readings today in particular are full of urgency and passion, and they invite us to really drill down, to visualize what's happening, and to put ourselves in the story as much as we are able. This morning's lesson from John is no exception. And when we listen to it, we see how through both words and actions, Jesus makes important points, points that his disciples remembered and retold in this form 
and the intensity of the lesson is a sign of how seriously they took the events of that night in the upper room at that last supper that they ever all spent together. Imagine them thinking about it afterwards. What did you hear? What did you hear? We can tell how carefully Jesus does and says things that he wants his disciples really to hear him and not to forget what he said. We can even tell how hard it was for his listeners to accept what he was saying because in some cases it wasn't what they wanted to hear. He has to repeat it to make it clear. The whole situation is fraught with tension and anxiety because everything that Jesus does is probably counter to the disciples' hopes and maybe even their expectations. He washes their feet. He declares that they should be servants to one another. And he tells them that it won't be power or glory or wisdom that will characterize them in the future, but love. Love, the love they show each other and all those in the world with whom they deal. I think that's why it's so important for them and for us to listen to Jesus carefully here. He's not just preaching a sermon. He's acting out his own most urgent messages. He's distilling his teaching down to a handful of essentials to say at this last evening together, essentials that he wants to govern the disciples' thoughts and actions and ours from now on. And he's doing it both in a positive way and in a negative way by what he says, I think, and by what he leaves out. So what are these basic, elemental, essential points that are so important to Jesus? First, that following him means serving others, not ourselves. It means we have to look outside ourselves for our purpose and our mission. Jesus doesn't try to console the disciples here with words about ultimate victory or resurrection or salvation or eternal life. He simply shows them what to do to one another and to others, symbolically. He washes their feet. He makes himself less than they are in order to show them how a real Lord and teacher functions. They have a lot of trouble with this, just as we would. It's embarrassing to them to have Jesus wash their feet. And then when they do catch on that this is something good they should say yes to, they overdo it and, of course, want to have him wash their whole bodies. The disciples have a lot of trouble with the idea that Jesus wants them to be servants, servant ministers, messengers of a new way of living and being. They still really, in their heart of hearts, they still really want him to smash their enemies and prove that they are right, that they have put their faith in a winner, but Jesus refuses to play that role and just ties the towel around his middle and washes their feet. And then comes the second lesson, that living in 
the way of Jesus means loving one another. It's not about our opinions or what we think or that we're right or how smart we are, but how well we love that matters. And it's not about the reward we get some, someday, but about the quality of the experience of love we have right now. One of the greatest challenges to Christianity through the centuries is that it has been seen by many of its adherents as essentially instrumental. Faith, good works, personal devotion, good things in themselves have been used by Christians as means toward an end. Release from mortality. A better life in eternity. A reward someday for patience today. What one famous Lutheran theologian liked to call pie in the sky by and by. But that's not what this lesson is about. This is not what Jesus is talking about. What Jesus is talking about is discipleship, and discipleship is right now. Following Jesus is right now. Putting others first. And especially, especially those we have a hard time liking. And showing love even toward those who are hard to love. As Martin Luther made clear in his little book on Christian freedom, Jesus sets us free not for our sake, but for the world's sake. Jesus sets us free that we might live in service to others without having to hold anything back for ourselves. Jesus doesn't tell the disciples here that it's just going to be all right if they just have faith. Instead, he gives them concrete instructions about what to do when he is gone to serve and to love. He gives them a new purpose and a new focus, and he makes them responsible. He makes them responsible for each other, for their fellow human beings, and for the world in which we live. And that's why those who take discipleship seriously don't retreat from the world, but try to change it and make it better. They step up and not step back. Jesus makes this all very clear. We are to follow his example and not just wait passively for his return. We are to wash and be washed. We are to love and be loved. We are to engage in the world around us with all the care and dedication and love that we can muster. And in that and everything else, we move forward not knowing what is next, but trusting in God's love for us in the end. Amen. Please stand as we pray. Bishop, for your work among us, your servant leadership, we pray for you and your ministry. We pray for 70 college students this day murdered in a Kenya university. We pray for a tender peace agreement 
over how the world will help manage nuclear armament. We pray for members of this community in need of healing prayers. Let us pray. Holy God, source and sovereign, all power and authority is in your hands, and we see your power through love and the one who washes our feet in humble service. Teach us to love one another as Christ has loved. Aid us as we care for the broken. Inspire us as we listen to the dispirited. Pour your good news so deep in us that it leaks out from head to feet in word and action, in service and love, so that all the world may know that the one we love and serve is you. It is in your holy name we pray. Amen.